Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where spooky tales are afoot, you can never trust what your eyes tell you, and the only way you'll survive is to listen to your weanly instincts. Today's haunted episode of Zombie Ween provides a book of staggering bigness. Outbreak. Undead! Will 460 pages be enough to keep you safe from doomy zombie macabre? We'll find all that and more on today's System Mastery. Hi folks, happy ween! It's me, your all-the-time host Jeff, joined as rarely by... nobody. Uh, there's an announcement mastery to be read, and I'm just that little bit too sick to feel good about exposing John to my toxins and oozes and buildups. As always, if you'd like an announcement mastery of your own, please head on over to our website and get, click the Give Us Some Money button. So hey, let's talk about a atypicalfoe.com. Looking for a seasoned editor to go over your rulebook and lore with a fine-toothed comb? Or maybe you want some gripping new RPG adventures? Why not both? A guy you don't know named Jordan offers editing services and original RPG content under the needlessly clumsy handle, a typical foe. That's a typical F-A-U-X, all one word. Manuscripts that he's edited have been published by a dozen academic journals, but if you've got your own RPG systems, settings, adventures, board game rules, comics, or even novels, he's edited that stuff too. At his website, atypicalfoe.com, you can find a list of his services and testimonials. And his rates are cheaper than you'd think, because he wants to fill his resume with yet more elf games. Don't need any editing? Just want to play RPGs? At the very same website, you can also find a psychedelic body horror one-shot about ego murder and a bleak and lonely sci-fi one-shot about whether or not to fight the end times. Maybe a solo comedy game about useless opinion columnists is more your speed. Or a conversational micro-game where language itself has been poisoned. Or, if you just need some gross and spooky horror movie monsters for Mork Bjorg, or a collection of NPCs for a Weird West game, he's got you covered there too. More games and supplements are on the way, and if you join his mailing list, you'll get future products for free, as well as discounts and a shot at 10 free board game giveaways too. Remember, it's all one word, a typical foe, as in one ordinary fake. That's atypicalfaux dot com. Well, hey, that sounds cool to me. I really like the idea of a psychedelic body horror one-shot, so maybe I'll go check it out. And you should, too. Go check out A Typical Foe and patronize the fine work of Jordan. Okay, let's go make a show. I'm going to drag John in here and force him to be exposed to my foulness and humorous biles and eukaryotic NGOs. Ween. Ween. Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to System Mastery, the RPG discussion podcast. I don't know why I'm doing that part of the intro. That feels like we've left it in the dust. I am Jeff, joined as always by the other host of the show, John. That's right, you yeah. are. Yep, I sure am. And uh, that part, that part's important though. We gotta keep that part. That's the only part we, we can cut everything else. Gotta. Yeah. The introduction is the only bit that we don't even need to say the name of the show. 
Nope. Mm-hmm. Never again. No, nope. I think I think going forward, we're just going to say, hi, I'm Jeff, and that's John, and then we'll just start talking this about- This is a show. This is a show. It's Mr. Show, we call it. It's an original name that we just came up with, Do Not Steal. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do all your favorite Mr. Show things, like- uh, have you ever seen an episode of Mr. Show? Yes, but I have forgotten all of them. Good. But I but when you say have I ever seen an episode of Mr. Show, the actual answer is I've seen every episode of Mr. Show. Yes. It's, it's a good show, including the that that extra season they did later, like the bonus ten episodes that exist. The bonus episodes. Yeah. They they came back together and they did a few more episodes. And I think they got everybody back, including Ackerman for like three minutes. Nice. But yeah, I like those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is in those? I'm trying to remember them, and all I'm remembering is stuff from like Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> I mean, that's I like not a, a bad thing to I remember like if you're going to remember kids something. You know, sketch in my head instead. Oh no, no, they're all right. <laughs> they're no, they're no the Christmas boys. <laughs> uh, but no, I remember some some uh, Mister Show stuff. Wasn't there a one about mustard A's? Sure, why not? Yeah, that's one. Okay. Anyway, this isn't a review of that, thank God. Now, if you want to hear me be terrible at remembering things other than that, by all means, let's talk about Outbreak Undead. (laughs) Uh, Now, first, I do want to go ahead and address the elephant in the room. And no, not the size of this book. (laughs) (laughs) Or Stampy, the actual elephant in my room. Indeed. Yeah. You loved him. I did. (laughs) You laughed. Uh, but it is no longer October, but I need you all to know that ween is not just a time of year. It is a feeling in your heart. And so, oh yeah, shoot. Did we mess up? Are we going to be, are we going to have a short, no, we're doing fine. I guess we must have like an episode that came out at the beginning of October that we forgot to ween out. That's right. Okay. We were late to the ween, but we are dedicated ween fans. We made a mistake and we started measuring ween from the top when everyone knows it starts from the base. Indeed. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry about that, but yeah, this will be a November ween episode. We'll call it a uh, uh, ween's gi- giving. Call it a cold November ween. <laughs> the giving ween. Anyway, yeah. yeah that's so, fine. So it's so a zombie. It's one last little little hint of zombie to action for you, even though it's going to come out on November 2nd. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I honestly, I even though I had to take my kid trick-or-treating last night and my hair is still cold black, because I used permanent hair dye to get my last minute uh, outfit to put together. Yeah, uh, I know I look ridiculous. It is not a good look on me to have to have <laughs> or on Steven Seagal. No, I mean, but but on me in particular, because Steven Seagal, I think at least I, he's not actually Native American. He's like Polish or something. Uh, but at least I think his black hair was real when he was young. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's dying it now. Yes. Uh, but I've never had black hair. I was blonde before this. Mm-hmm. And so, to, now that my hair is black, I look awful. It's not good. When I'm not wearing the rest of the Steven Seagal outfit, so I at least look like a recognizable piece of shit, uh, I just look like I've got a weird delusions of being Italian, and I've bought the cheapest wig available for that. Huh? <laughs> Uh, like I walked into some wig store, I was like, "Yeah, make me look like I'm on the Sopranos." Ah, uh, bada boom, forget about it. I'm Italian. Nah, it just mostly looks like you had a midlife crisis and were like, "I gotta dye my hair." <laughs> that's that's even worse. Yeah, I, I mean, my hair's been going gray really fast recently, but I like it. I like the gray hair. No, it's honestly fine, and mostly yeah. because you were blonde before this, it kind of just fits it's fine yeah it's not like a weird contrast or anything yeah but uh with this you definitely look like you're about to hit on some 20 year old waitress at the applebee's oh my god that would be the worst <laughs> 
hey there, you see my gold nugget pinky ring? Huh? Would you like one of these? I got three more pieces of gold jewelry on me. See if you can find them all. <laughs> Who wants to ride in my car that is topless? Hint, hint. I'll take the steak and you? <laughs> With a side of your phone number. <laughs> please love me. <laughs> Someone, please. No one will touch me. <laughs> my kids won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> I've forgotten what meaningful relationships are. <laughs> yeah, I'm just planning to shave it when I don't have full-time kid duty for the day. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that still means I had to go out in public today. I had to go to, like, Michael's to pick up a thing of balloons for Sage. Well, there you and go. And I took her to the park later, and I had to interact with other adults who were no doubt looking at, I hope, proximity to Halloween had them going like, oh, that guy dyed his hair and then got stuck that way. <laughs> and not, that, that guy is desperately, th- wants everyone to think that he grew up with coal black hair. Yeah, that guy wants everyone to be like, Nah, I'm definitely in my 20s still. <laughs> Hello, bro. How do you do, fellow young adult? Yep. Yeah, so if you see me right now, if you come across me on the street, know that I am not attempting <laughs> <Kill me. laughs> I'm not attempting to put on airs. If you see the Jeff walking across the street, yeah. <laughs> kill him. Pull the trolley so it gets me. Pull the levers <laughs> the trolley. That's that's easy. That's the answer to the trolley problem. Uh, Aim it at Jeff. Anyway, so outbreak on deck. Mm is a game that has been sitting in my library for, I'm going to say, two years now. Okay. There was a point, uh, because the second edition of Outbreak Undead came out, I want to say, about two years ago-ish as well. Yeah. And when it did, there was a big sale, so I went and got the first edition, and a whole bunch of stuff came with it because it was a giant package. It did seem to come with a lot of random stuff. Yeah, it was basically just... Hey, did did you want anything from first edition? Here's all of it. Right. So you got like a bundle. Yeah. Uh, but it <laughs> it had been sitting there, and I kept going like, oh, you know, it's a PDF, so if we ever need a light week, we could do this. Yeah, and then you opened it and realized it was 460 pages. And then I uh, read it and realized that it's at fine. least 200 of those pages are blank. Yeah, this book... I, I got to say, before we even get into the meat and potatoes of the rules, which honestly is probably best to put that off because I only remember like 8% of it, uh, <laughs> is the weirdest layout I think we've ever come across. And that includes the real oddities like, I don't know, human-occupied landfill or uh, it, ones that are written in style of like just a book. Oh, this yeah. Is, this is like, there are so many, they decided to write it so that it looks like a survivor's journal during a zombie outbreak. Yeah, the like whole that, that's thing the layout. has, like, the background is actual lined paper. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a three, like a, a, a spiral-bound thing that they, they're they writing their notes in. But it also has, like, post-it notes in there and little manila folders and, like, inserts from various places. Yeah, like all the, the, all the art in the book is other pieces of paper taped to the background elements or Polaroids that are stuck into the book at random angles. Yeah, so, you know... A lot of the things in there will be like, oh, this is from some company, or this is like a picture or a drawing that I've taped into here. Yeah. And, you know, when you're going through it, at least initially, you're like, oh, okay, I get what you're trying to do here. That's kind of fun. I kind of wish you weren't using the obnoxious faux handwriting font for the rules parts of the book. But it, 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 that's it's like it's the reverse of what you'd expect. The, uh, the the fluff is written out in like a typewriter looking font. And then the rules will usually be attached to it on fake whiteout written in fake handwriting font underneath the real the the, uh, the readable text. But the 
I mean, there's it's, both. Because there's yeah. There's a bunch of rules text that's just written out, and then a ton of rules text that's just like typed out, and then a bunch more rules text that looks like it's in post-it notes or whiteout sections mm -hmm. where you would think, oh, this is probably yeah. like a sidebar exactly. for normal games. But no, it's straight up like, yeah, you had to read this or else you missed a rule. Sometimes the layout just switches in the middle of like between sentences, but without changing paragraph, especially in some of the skill descriptions. They'll be like, oh, yeah, the skill descriptions in particular are like that. You'll have like bicycling and then the first half of the bicycling skill description will be written out in the typewriter font. And then randomly a certain sentence will start with just like. And also, you get an extra plus 15 to perception if you're a trained cyclist when you do this. And it's like, what? Why is this all of a sudden in handwriting? It's a... There's a weird choice yeah. for a lot of this. And even more than that, the when I said choice. that yeah. like, 200 pages of this were blank, it's not like, oh, hey, the... They have a lot of space in between stuff, which they very much do. There are definitely pages where they're like... One paragraph is the whole page. Yeah. yeah. Here's the rules for, like, a skill, and it takes up the top quarter of the page and then nothing else. Yeah. And then there are pages that are literally blank. There are dozens, and not only are there dozens of pages that are blank, but sometimes there's two or three in a row. Oh, yeah, because sometimes it's like, oh, this is a page that was dedicated to an art scribble. Yeah. And sometimes... It is just a blank notebook page sitting there, and it's not like, oh, it's the end of the chapter, or we're splitting it between two things. Nope. Here's just a random page I put in here. Sometimes, one of my favorite things you'll find is blank pages in here is a piece of blank paper taped to the background element that is lined paper. And when you read that, you're reading a PDF, you're like, oh, gee, someone fucked up in InDesign. There was supposed to be an element sitting on top here. I bet the element is like underneath that blank sheet of paper, and they just fucked up. But no, I'm pretty sure it's like no, there's no break there's in the no, text line. There's nothing missing. No, you'll find those. And if you go between the two pages that it's in between, you're like, nope, this is all just one coherent thing. Yeah. They just put a page. There's one that I'm currently looking at where the entire outline is you have your book page because the notebook isn't like supposed to be edge to edge so you actually have a margin around the edge of the notebook that is this book yes so you have your book then the notebook then a <laughs> taped on piece of paper from spew ai then on top of that a blank piece of white paper on that other paper and then a, <laughs> a post-it note and you're like why what is all this yeah there's one sentence on this entire page on that post-it note and you have done nothing <laughs> and it's not even a rule it's just the strongest weapon and thickest walls will only protect the unhealthy body for so long and you're like thanks fortune cookie what the fuck was this page doing I, I, i'm here? assuming it's supposed to be atmosphere like you're supposed to read the book and be like oh yeah this is really getting me in the spirit of a zombie survival thing because you know like the book's all ramshackle and everything's taped in at Dutch angles and and uh, it, it just looks kind of ridiculous. So maybe that makes you feel more like you found someone's, you know, survivor's book, like clutched in the hands of a corpse in a, in a, in a rusted out building or something. But in terms of a, a rules dialogue uh, material, like as a piece of rules paperwork, it is uh, very like, why make the book this big? The book is 460 pages. You, you could cut, I'd say probably 60 pages and literally lose not even art. Just lose blank pages. Like, why not just make the book 400 pages and not have all these blanks? I, maybe they thought that people were going to write stuff on them. Like, the, the, but but it's a rules die. It's it's not like it's a soloing or, or solo RPG. No, this isn't a journaling RPG. This is nothing like that. And I feel like if this game were more 
rules light mm-hmm. and was more about like, oh, you know, interpretations of how you interact with survivors and zombies and things like that. And it was, you know, a much more like modern narrative type game then I would understand the way that it was written yeah. much more because at that point you wouldn't have 460 pages because you wouldn't have as many rules. Yeah. Whereas this book is trying to come across as very artsy because of the style. And then it is just like percentage calculations for the entire thing. Everything's done with averages, percentages. There's full on, I would say, I think it's nine total pages, not counting blank, blank pages stitched in between them. That's just dedicated to, slow versus fast degradation of weapon by type and material the weapon is constructed from to give you an idea of exactly how in-depth this is it's very much like a phoenix command level of of rule uh design for a a zombie survival game i can kind of see that i can kind of see someone who wants to be extremely exacting about their you know playing through a zombie outbreak structure you only want to do your walking dead but you want to do it like a hundred percent right it's (laughs) It's strange because, again, if I was going to have a book that was like, I want to have all of the rules that you get from like the very simulationist ones where it's like, I need rules for weapon degradation. I need rules for like, if you try and shoot a gun and, you know, something jams and you got to take care of it. And of course, you've you've got to spend your time at base doing like maintenance on things if you don't want it to degrade and there's multiple game levels that are happening here it's it's interesting because they put so much in here but they didn't present the information clearly like the information because there's so much like open space and you know pages with nothing it gets so spread out that by the time you've finished a section of this book you're like I've gone through 50 pages and I don't remember what the start of this was. No, no, you have no idea. It, the the, uh, the rules, it, it's written. You know what the closest analog I can think of in terms of books that we have previously reviewed mm. is Glyph, the RPG blueprint system. Uh-huh. Remember that one? Because it, 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 I had a very similar feeling reading this book that I had when I was reading Glyph. Number one, you got really used to realizing right at the top of the page whether or not you could just skip this page. <laughs> you'd look down and you'd be like, oh, I can skip this one. It's... It's nothing but a list of different types of weapons that who could possibly care about. And for some reason, a sketch that I think is taken from the art, the author's like life drawing for class, like their first day, mm-hmm. where they did like 30 second motion drawings. And they're like, oh, let's put this in there. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got to have art on these pages. Um, so, so you get really good at learning which pages you can skip, which was a big part of the Glyph RPG reading. The other thing is the increasing foreboding sense of dread as you're reading your way through. And every page is consistently introducing yet more rules you're like oh oh god there's a rule for that oh no oh when are we going to get to that i don't want to have that like for example there's one where it was like uh playing as a person because there's a, a list of abilities you can take which are b- basically benefit like there's benefits and hindrances but they don't work like normal ones no, um, they're called skills in this but they're actually just you know like packages of benefits you yes can get. but one of them is like you don't have to sleep as much 
You can you just are light sleep or yeah uh, you're efficient at sleeping. Yeah. So when you when I was reading, it, I was like, okay, how's this one work? You can when you sleep for at least one time, you count as sleeping for one more time than the number of times you sleep. If you sleep for zero time, you do not count for having slept as one time. Instead, you have it, you you count for having slept as zero time. Yeah, there's a like, capital oh, T no. time unit in there's this. There's a time unit in this, and here's the fun thing about the time unit: there's twenty per day, <laughs> which is like why. <laughs> There's. I take the last four hours and spread them out over the other tw- over your new twenty hour rule. What did you do that for? The the choices that get made in this are strange and sometimes like that inexplicable. And other times, I would look at something and go, "Oh, I feel like you're trying to make this more like gamified." As mm-hmm. far as like, oh, you played dead of winter a lot and you want to turn that into a role-playing game yeah but you want to keep every rule (laughs) yes yeah which isn't necessarily i mean there's the thing i know that there are people out there who swear by games like i don't know starfleet battles or or phoenix command uh where they really do or or the hero system that kind of stuff where they really do like that level of uh, of extremely advanced crunch they like to really get down in the weeds and know every single thing about every single trajectory of every single flying object in their game um I'm not one of them, and generally when I try and read games like this, I spend most of the time like discovering that there's going to be another set of rules coming by having them hinted at in a skill and just be like, oh no, this game has multiple variable tracking encumbrance mechanics. <laughs> the God, when we get to the encumbrance, that's going to be a thing. But honestly, <clears throat> when I was reading through this, I was like, I understand who would want this, and I don't hate the idea of it because a lot of it really is the someone has played dead of winter and wants to do that the you have like missions that are set you're like oh you're gonna go here yeah it takes x time units you have chances to get encounters like it's very it's very much a board game yeah it's very Rit- board gamed yes and what? you also have rules for like Oh, you got to maintain your base and you can yeah. get different stats for your base. Which to me made it feel very video gamey because there's all these things you can unlock, which I know that board games can do that as well. But they were like, oh, if your base doesn't have enough culture points, then you can't access the po- the, the political submissions. Yeah. And I was like, wait, political? That's That really sounds like I'm playing like the computer game version of Dead of Winter or something. And yet, no, you're playing a role-playing game. So you be sitting around your friends and being like, well, we'd like to do this politics submission. You can't. Your base doesn't have enough culture. You need more artists in your base if you want to talk to that guy about uh, the, the uh, former governor of this town. Otherwise, you just can't. <laughs> it's Again, it's a thing where I see what they're trying to make, and I go, I understand who that's for. Mm-hmm. I understand why you've done that. What I... <laughs> What I don't understand is why you have presented it in this way. Yes. Well, the weird thing about this is this book is enormous, and I kept thinking at a certain point, okay, I'm going to run out of rules, and this next section is going to be the story of this world, like what happened, what's there. Even if this is a game that's supposed to be a fluid zombie outbreak storytelling thing where you're like, oh, zombies can be whatever story about zombies you want. We've all heard dozens of variations on the myth. Our preferred one, I kept expecting that. Like, let's let's present a little campaign. The world role. of outbreak. You don't have, there isn't one. No. That's not a thing. There's a couple of immutable laws of zombies that they mention at one point in the book, um, and then immediately mention that you can break any one of them you want to. And that's as close as they get to actually having a story. It's just rules till the last page. Yep. Uh, 
I mean, speaking of rules, we may as well start getting into sure. some of the stuff in here. The system, the engine it's written in is called the Spew AI system. Like, you know, if you have to spew, spew in this, that yeah. that kind of spew. I mean, it's it's basically the same idea as doing the uh, the Fallout one, yeah. where it's the, what is it, special? Uh-huh. Uh, because each of them stands for your four stats, you've got your strength, your perception, your endurance, and your willpower. Yeah, yeah. That's fairly common. We've seen that in a bunch of games. Uh, in this game, you get, there's two ways to play, and we're going to get into the more interesting one of the two right after we go over the basic mechanics for how to build a character normally. You get 120 points to split up as you would like to among those four attributes. I believe 30 is human average, so that means that you can build an average person. Yeah, I mean, the the stats themselves, <laughs> it's very interesting what they assume a human average is, because they're like, ah, yes, if you've got above a 30 in something, then you're like really above average in whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. But it's a percentage-based game based on those stats, and I'm like, if I have a 30% chance to do something, yeah. I am awful at it. Yeah, there were certain glimmers of things I thought were neat about this. When you you uh, the skills in this game are they have full descriptions of what every one of them does. Obviously, it's got to fill a ton of page space, but most of them don't work the way you're used to seeing skills work. They are mostly just a, a list of situational bonuses to stats. So there'll be things like, oh, I'm taking the rock climbing. You increase your strength by twenty when you are attempting to climb this type of rock. Yeah, you increase your strength by ten when you are attempting to abseil from this type of rock. Uh huh. And it's just it, that that's all it is. It's very specific what skills do. Yes. And the God, the thing for me about this with the stats is because 30 is the end of average. It's 16 to 30, which is an average person. Mm -hmm. And so even if you were to be like, all right, I could have 20s and some things and then be like, yeah, I've got a stat where I'm like, I got a, a 45 or a 46. I'm one of the best in the world at whatever this thing is. Yeah, they do 50 is the Olympic level whatever, although yes, only one of them. 46 plus yeah. is you are the best at meh. The best of the best of the best, which means if you're making an unmodified role on that ability or that attribute to do a thing and you're the best in the world, you have a 46% chance of doing it, which, you know, that's the kind of world that should get wiped out by zombies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, there is a point in this book where they go through the actual roles for things. Because most roles are just, uh, you get, you know, a perception check to search for something, uh -huh. or a strength check to climb something. Yes. And normally you're just rolling to try and get under your stat. Mm -hmm. Now, there is, is the calculation for lifting things, mm -hmm. and keep in mind that a 46 plus is literally Olympian class athletes. Yeah. You're the strongest of the strong. So this is a strength that requires daily upkeep diet and exercise. Like if you, you know, during a zombie apocalypse, you're probably not even going to be able to maintain this level. Yeah. So if you're you have half Thor or whatever, you're one of those guys, if you have a 50 strength, so you are crazy, ridiculously strong. Yeah. And you want, to pick up, let's say, I a, don't know. A big bag of dog food. <laughs> let's say you want to pick up something that weighs 100 pounds. Oh, 100 pounds. So you want to pick up, like, an a, an average young lady. If yeah. You would, like, like, get a shoulder hoister to get her out of the room because zombies are, are about to get her and she's got a busted leg. Yeah, now, okay, you sure. are 
of course, an Olympic powerlifter. Yes. Your ability to lift things goes up into the multiple hundreds of pounds. Yes. Okay. Here I go. There's a little person I need to pick up, and mm-hmm. they're about 100 pounds. Great. Yep. I have a 25% chance of doing that because the rules for lifting things are for your strength percent in pounds, you can ignore that and lift that normally. So if you have a strength of 50, you can lift 50 pounds normally. Now for every 10 pounds above that, the dif- difficulty increases by one. Now, this is a game where <laughs> difficulty says it's, you know, one, two, three, but those are all 5% increments. Uh-huh. So if you go up 50 pounds, the difficulty raises by five or 25%, meaning you have, you know, a one in four shot as an Olympic power lifter to lift up a tiny little girl. <laughs> yes. And I think that set the max lift at like 135 kilograms or something. Like that's the most they could reasonably expect to pick up. It's strange. Yeah. Well, it's more like they just did a bunch of math, but then like didn't go back and check the math against real world numbers. Which is interesting because the the package that I got came with a lot of stuff. So in addition to the regular rules, there was also a quick start guide. Mm -hmm. And the quick start guide actually has a lifting example in here where it was like, oh, this guy's got a, you know, strength of 35. Okay. So above average strength. And he needs to uh, carry his friend out and they just give it as a straight D100 roll, no change. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, you'd have difficulty if you know, you had something else in your hand and then we'd raise the difficulty. So they don't go into, in the quick start rules, hmm. the very weird stuff, which even then... It's advanced, John. You're like, okay, That's still so above I have a 50-50 average. shot of picking up a, a tiny girl. Well, in that case, it's straight percentage, right? To pick up a tiny... Which means you have a 35% chance of picking up a no, tiny girl. No, I mean, girl. if I'm an Olympic weightlifter, oh, yes, yeah. I still have a 50% chance. I have as much chance of picking up you know, Anything. 300 kilograms as I do a tiny little dog. Yeah, because there's no there's no modification to it, which just means that your strength, your chance to lift literally anything is just your strength percentage. Yeah, the the numbers either way are terrible. Yeah, so th- there are four stats though. There's what perception and uh, yeah, I already uh, yeah. said the spew stats. Yeah, and uh, the way that they generally tend to abbreviate everything is the the uh, you know S T R P E R and then a dash, and then any relevant skill. So it'll be things like like uh, per slash drive to, to make a driving skill roll. Uh, or, and uh, the way that works, it isn't that you add your rank in, in the skill to your stat, because skills don't have ranks. They have tiers, but they don't have ranks. Yeah, you get, as a character, uh, five tiers. Five tiers of skill. Of skill, and skills have prerequisites for them, they have, they have high prereqs, no less. Uh oh yeah. I don't think any of the skills has a prereq stat below twenty. And several of them will be things like uh, fairly basic skills. Like if you want to take, for example, I don't know, martial arts or something, you need to have two of your stats at thirty and another one at twenty five. I mean, the one that got me when I was looking at it was Night Owl, which is just. Yeah, you like to stay up late, and so your endurance checks at night aren't as bad. Mm-hmm. Great. You need a willpower of 35. <laughs> you need to be like well above average in your willpower in order to be me, a dumpy guy who doesn't go to sleep until 2. And how would you normally describe your willpower, John? Oh, I mean... 
not good. John, say your willpower is a fucking four. Oh, Do it's it. a four. There you go. See? <laughs> it's... I probably didn't even need the fucking. <laughs> oh, you never need the fucking with me. John, drink this. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, I don't want to, but I will. Yeah, it's it's strange that so much of this is based on just high above average stats when you're supposed to have five tiers of things. But if you're an average human, you probably won't even qualify for most of these. Yeah. Like, ah, yes, you are an average person. I am sorry. You cannot ride a BMX. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, you need to be some kind of bandit to accomplish that. Right? Yeah. Or at least a goose. (laughs) Perhaps a young Nicole Kidman. Uh, But anyway, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, what was I going to say? Fuck. Well, there's... Uh, By all means, lead, lead, because I barely remember. The thing I was going to say is I honestly do not remember how the tier system translates into picking skills. Because so, there are skills that have tier ranks. Yes, there are some skills that are at a tier. So if you want to be a survivalist, mm-hmm. so you have a bunch of bonuses to your perception survival. So you're like, I know how to you know make a camp. I can set up tents and fires and find food and all that so you get a bonus to that it is a fourth tier skill which means if you have five four of those are going just into survival because that's all there is that's kind of what i thought the idea seems like it's if you're building a character you're gonna end up with a character who has two or three of these things at most which is really it's not as big of a deal as it sounds like yeah some of them are called stuff like driving and so on but everyone can try those things they just get a couple of extra situational bonuses if they have that relevant skill yeah like if i have say the backseat driver skill yeah then uh i can do combined checks because you can you know help people out uh and i use instead of when you do a combined check using half of my perception you can use the entirety of my perception great i'm great at being a lookout in a car now Again, that doesn't mean you can't be a lookout in a car. You just use your half perception like normal. Yeah. That is a second tier skill, by the way, of helping a guy out while he's driving. Yeah, fucking backseat driver. That's ridiculous. The other thing I found amusing is that there's a lot of them that are like, like you just would never have enough points to choose some of these. For example, bow staff is one of them. Yeah. And bow staff, you can reduce the cost of bow staff if you also have martial arts. So now you're like, I want to be good at bow, so I'll take martial arts, then I'll take bow staff. Or I want to be good at axe. You just are. There's no axe skill. But for this other weapon, you need two skills. Yeah, and there are some variable tier ones. So you can be like, oh, this is going to give me, like, plus five for each tier. So, you know, I can get a better perception bonus while biking because I'm a biker. Right. And then the other part of character creation before, I guess we'll we'll do hindrances real quick. The game does have a list of hindrances, but they don't provide any benefits or anything. Instead, there's a little paragraph at the beginning that's like, hey, when you're building your character, be honest and take some of these hindrances. It's really important that you be honest with yourself and everyone else at the table by choosing the right hindrances that actively describe your problems. And I'll, I'll go ahead and get into the big why now. Uh, this is a game where you are supposed to, but not required to, play as yourself. Yes. You're supposed to build yourself as a character, honestly, and then play yourself to see how you would react to a zombie outbreak. Now, when I was first going through these, before I realized that difficulty was 5% per difficulty instead of just 
a percentage of difficulty. Yes. When I was going through this, I was like, oh, that's not bad. It's like, oh, you can't, you know, drive stick, so you have plus D6 difficulty if you're trying to. And I was like, oh, okay, it's just a little penalty and then i'm like oh no it's that could five and 30 percent yeah yeah that could straight up on a six be like no you can't drive yeah like you, you can't, can't even figure out how to turn the key <laughs> well you know if you don't know how to drive stick you probably don't know you need to put the clutch down so that i guess that makes sense i mean do you know how to drive stick i don't know how to drive anything <laughs> you drove here in a car oh, i've yeah. seen you do oh, it damn it <laughs> i just don't know if you my actually, lies my, <laughs> i just don't remember if you do know how to drive stick or not. i do not okay yeah, I learned on stick in the first place, and it's not. I don't. I'm not one of those people who's like stick or nothing because I don't actually like it. Uh, but but I know that I've seen other people who can't drive stick try to start stick shift cars and not even know about putting the clutch down. So yeah, they might not be able to start the car. Yeah. <laughs> so there's hindrances that, like you said, don't give you anything. You just have to be honest and make yourself worse. Which in a game where you're already never going to be above like a 50% at anything. The idea that they're like, well, you better be worse at stuff. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, it's there so that when you build yourself as a character, you can be honest about your mild addictions and, and uh, being scatterbrained and stuff like that. Now, one of the other things uh, real uh, real quick that we didn't mention in skills is a lot of them also give you bonuses to your stats. Yes. And I was going to get in. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, you know, uh, if you take certain ones, it might just be like, oh, this gives you plus five per tier for like perception and biking. Mm -hmm. But there are some that will say like, oh, you know, if you take this, you know, tier three skill, you also get plus three to your empathy and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, uh, when you're building your character, you will also choose a archetype that your 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 person hails from. That includes if you're playing as yourself, because it's a, it's done by a list of careers uh, that you can choose from. So, well. Uh, they say don't if you're making yourself just pick the things that you would have because usually the careers are here's a list of skills you have. That's true, but they also come with big bonuses is the thing. And if you're playing as yourself, I guess you just don't get those. So you have to be more dishonest. Like, for example, when I was reading this, this was the closest thing to flavor I think I found in the whole book until you got to the uh, kind of section of how zombie outbreaks are categorized, which mm -hmm. is done by like Horsemen of the Apocalypse metaphor yeah but but in this section you get this kind of idea that the person who wrote this has kind of a cops in the military thing uh. because the whole opening section is like cops cops are the best ever the only problem with cops is that they will try too hard to defend other people around them often to their own detriment and i was like oh man did you write that before that wasn't true or did you just not know <laughs> <laughs> yes he wrote this before cops existed <laughs> i mean that would be true if the only people around them were other cops <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, there's, it's interesting as well, because you've got all of these archetypes, you know, a lot of various different things, but what you don't have athlete as one of them, no. though you do have artist. Yeah. Well, artist is only there to make sure that you know that the art, the uh, author has a disdainful view of artists. Oh yeah. If you're an artist or a photographer or a writer, well, you're ill suited to live in the zombie apocalypse. I guess guess maybe you might help out at base if you write something cool yeah like you'll be there to increase the culture rating of the base as if anyone needed that like i mean i i've seen dragon fire or reign of, Dra of fire whatever it was called i know that people will just word for word recite empire strikes back why would i need someone to draw pictures <laughs> incidentally please regard the art in this book which was all done by like it's all like 12 year old notebook 
notebook doodles. Yeah. Uh, the art never rises above that level of like when a when a, a middle school girl decides to design her own dresses. Yeah. It's the, that it's that range. The uh the way you do it if you're not making yourself is you want to pick one of these. They'll give you the base stuff that you have. They're like, "All right, you're going to get, you know, you're a firefighter. You have combat medic and basic first aid. Yeah, but you also get most of them give you a big old bonus to at least one stat. There are things like law enforcement gives you plus twenty to willpower or something. Does it? Yes. Yeah. It's usually the especially in the military and law enforcement careers. Right on down to security guard, which the the uh, the person is also like, look, security guards are like shitty cops, uh, so they don't get as good of bonuses as cops get. Oh yeah. So they get a minimum attack score of 25 mm -hmm. they get a bonus plus 25 to any empathy diplomacy checks and a just straight will bonus of plus 15 yes after your attributes are determined which what, what the fuck yeah isn't that crazy that's nuts like if you take some of those bonuses you're gonna end up with a character who would have a hard time not having one stat at olympic level yeah uh it's I, i'm not sure what the idea was there i'm also sure what not sure why you'd want to play as yourself when you're like oh well if i play as an archetype character i get massive bonuses and those skills aren't taken taken from your pool of, t of five tiers of skills well they don't get the five you get uh, five if you're yourself okay because a lot of them will list things like i guess this person in addition to their tier five tiers of skills gets one extra tier of skills they get two tiers yeah in addition to whatever they get normally uh, okay but a lot of them getting stuff like you know say you get trigger discipline for free or gunslinger or combat medic or any of those things a lot of those are multi-tier to begin with yes like combat medic is a fourth tier skill yeah so if you get that and something else chances are you're coming out ahead of, oh, bu yeah. of building yourself the one thing you get playing yourself that you get way better of than a oh, archetype points, is yeah. the gestalt dice gestalt the Gestalt dice are the book's acknowledgement that, like, they couldn't make all the various bonuses to things that could possibly be there for you. Yes. But all it really means is, oh, you're going to spend all these and just up all your stats. and Yeah, because you can spend them for, I think it's each point, Gestalt point or you spend buys you a d3 to a stat uh you have to spend a number equal to the tens dice in your current stat oh, so right, if you yeah. have a 20 something you spend two and so yeah. on yeah and you get a number of gestalt dice equal to your age in years mm -hmm. when you start the game to represent that you're probably supposed to spend most of these on skills or tiers of skills to represent that you are well-traveled and worldly, except that no one's going to do that because uh, stats are better than skills, so you're just going to buy your stats to, to high heaven, and that's all it's going to do. Oh, yeah, because if you start, especially if you're an old fart like one of us... I'm 41. I got 41 fucking dice to deal with. Oh, yeah, at that point, you're like, well, fuck it. I guess I just buy stats up to a point where I definitely am not that. Yeah. Where <laughs> I'm better than I ever could have been. Uh, so, yeah, that's. An, I, I thought the gestalt dice was an interesting way to kind of keep people interested in the game i was half expecting to see an age penalty table and instead they're like no you get better yeah but i'm, Look, assuming... I'm an old fart when i wrote this and i think you get better with age yeah. <laughs> also i think that applebee's waitress is flirting with me <laughs> i better go buy some just for men <laughs> yeah the the gestalt dice don't have to be spent at the start mm -hmm. they are you know you can use them to up your stats when you start or if while you're you know playing the game you go you know uh, I've spent, I don't know, a lot of time that's not 
in the skills summary, but like, I'm a, I don't know, hide and seek guy. I play a lot of hide and seek. I'm going to use Gestalt for my search dice. Yeah. And then you can add like Gestalt onto that. Yeah. So you're like, oh, now whenever I roll for search, I get plus however many dice I spent. Yes. And then there's a whole bunch of sub-calculations. You can ca- calculate how fast a character can move, how long they can stay awake, how many units of encumbrance they can carry. There's a max number of units of encumbrance they can carry, plus a functional number of units of encumbrance they can carry, but they can carry a, 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 a unit of encumbrance holder, which counts as one unit of encumbrance, but lets you carry three to four units of encumbrance, provided they aren't large units of encumbrance, unless it's a camping backpack, in which case you can carry up to two items of higher than two uh, encumbrance. I thought that was one of my favorite encumbrance units things. Whereas like, if you buy a regular like Jansport backpack <laughs> you can have four small things in it and that's it yeah and I, I assume that's supposed to be like because any a, a lot of the stuff you, you can put a lot more than four things in a backpack but I'm guessing a lot it's of four of the actual yes. useful things yeah it's uh, but then the camping backpacks like you can carry four small things and two things of size two or larger in this camping backpack and I was like you want to you want to put an upper cap on that I mean this book's been real wordy so far, but if you're saying my camping backpack can hold two trucks, I'm going to take it at face value. Well, it's a good thing that, sure, it can. <laughs> you can't. You I have a care. giant backpack that no could. Ever, I'll hide my trucks in this backpack. That's my that's my use for this. Oh, great. You stacked two trucks on top of that backpack. They're no in, one will know it. They're in it. They're inside the backpack. <laughs> Yes, they are shaped like two t- trucks still. You have a giant tarp of a backpack. <laughs> shaped like two trucks. Yep. And also four small things. Uh, all right. Now, when it comes down to uh, combat, instead of like the rest of this where it's just roll under your skill, and this does have degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's done by each t- uh, each uh, tens digit below the required thing you had to roll. Yeah, so ten above or below will be... F- success or failure Mm -hmm. and you do that for pretty much anything except for combat where you have a base melee and ranged combat value that you will have a calculation for yep and of course you know you can get some of those skills will increase if you've got you know martial arts you're going to be better hand to hand interestingly because there's only four stats in the game uh the calculation for ranged and melee is very very similar oh yeah melee is twice your strength plus your perception plus your will and i thought it was amusing it was well, it's like, not twice your strength that, is, that would be like 80 oh no you're right no, you're it's right. it's you get one strength point plus half will or something yeah you get one point for every five strength and then one point for every 10 Thank perception you. that's right and then one, also one point for every 10 will which weirdly when it does it it's like how do you calculate uh, melee attack one point for every five strength one point for every 10 perception one point per every 10 will. That's the will bonus. Well, yes, because if you are panicked or yeah, you anything, you don't get a will bonus. Yeah. But then, you know, the ranged one is just take the perception and the strength calculation and flip it. Flip it. Done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with that, instead of it being like, oh, you take that and that's what you're rolling under or anything like that, what I think is a very interesting mechanic in this is they have what's called a zombie kill percentage. Yes, the Because it doesn't matter if you just hit them. Uh, Every weapon has a lethality to Mm -hmm. it uh, at close, medium, and long range. Yep. Melee weapons only at close range, obviously. Uh Uh-huh. And you take the lethality of your weapon, you add it to 
either the ranged or melee combat, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you've got any skills that help with that, you'll add that on. But that basic uh, percentage that you get when you add those two is going to be what is your chance of killing a zombie? So if you're, you know, like most people are going to probably have between a 9 and 12 in any of their melee or ranged if you're a normal person. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say you've got a 10. If you've got a 10 and your uh, lethality is 30 because you got a little gun, great. You got a 40% chance of killing a guy. Yeah, a zombie. A zombie. There's a, yeah, there's a Because guys a whole, actually take damage. Yeah, there's a whole separate mechanic for if you're fighting other people. Because obviously you're going to. It's a survival game. And everything has D6 for damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that it all does 1D6, but D6s are the only dice you use for damage. Yes. And then you determine how many D6s based on the weapon. So if it's like, this does 2D6 base, but you do a number of increments of that equal to the level of success. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, I add three levels of success against a person, and this weapon is 2D6. I roll 6D6. Right. Now, every weapon in the game can also suffer from dulling and breakage and misuse and gross misuse. Uh, Misuse and gross misuse are are if you're using a weapon that is not supposed to be used for what you're using it for. Uh, There are also uh, piercing, slashing, and bludgeoning damage types. Yep. Uh, And also certain weapons can be used for certain damage types and other damage types as well if you're strong enough. Like, you know, if you're looking through like a Dungeons & Dragons... Uh, treasure guide like you know that, yeah. that that section of the monster manual and you come across like a fucking trident of fish command or an intelligent sword with an ego of 12 and it's got like you know up maybe eight line items of the different things you can do oh. in this game that's an axe just a regular ass axe you pick up off the ground because the, they they attach so much granularity and functionality to the weapon itself and not the person wielding it that when you're like, oh, I have an axe, what does it do? Well, it depends on if it has a wooden or steel handle. Okay, let's say it's a wooden handled axe. Okay, now it depends on your strength. Is your strength higher than 25? Well, also, what's that axe head made of? Yes. Is that aluminum, steel? What do you yeah. wield in there? Ceramic, iridium? Give me a listing. Do you have it- a glass axe? Yeah. Because that's gonna that's gonna modify the hardness as well as the lethality values and the the speed of degradation depend or, oh and the commonality of finding the item obviously you'll need to know all those things, uh, but is your strength higher than twenty five? No, then you can't use the axe for piercing. You can only use it for slashing or flip it around to use it for bludgeoning. Uh, what's does it affect zombie kill percentages? You better fucking believe it does. It changes zombie percentages in three different ways. Yeah, the- like, do I have to write all this down? How am I supposed to play this? And. Interestingly, the way that it calculates lethality for ranged weapons is based on the bullet rather than the actual gun you use. Yes. If you're like, I use a big bullet and you're like, okay, but the gun you're using shouldn't shut up. I use a big bullet. (laughs) I'm peacemaker. I've got a rifle and it doesn't matter what the rifle is because I loaded it with big ass bullets. Yes. You're like, okay. Yeah, it's sure. not like the last book we read where, where the only thing it divided the bullets up into was like hollow point versus jacketed shells or whatever. In this one, it's just caliber size that determines bullet damage. Yep. And uh, as well, you've also got <sighs> calculations for like various buckshot things and whether or not it actually kills stuff or if it like 
can knock things down better. It's, yeah. There's a lot well, of calculations here. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a whole thing. It, it, it rightly has the mechanics where it's like a zombie is either dead or dangerous. Yes. There's no, you can knock a zombie down. That's not helpful. It's dead or dangerous. It's If it's still moving around, it's dangerous. You didn't kill it. It's still a problem. Yeah. Um, so there's there, it, it's, it's more or less right to handle things in that fashion. But it is so... It, it feels overwhelmingly granular for something where it was like oh they invented this great idea the zombie kill percentage what's the percentage chance you kill a zombie with this thing once per turn oh well, yeah that's 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 smart and it seems like it would have been very fast but then they could not help themselves no there's just so many rules the yeah. we had mentioned there were missions in this yeah so this book has specific uh marching orders as far as oh, right. what you can do if you're in rear guard or if point. you're taking point. Yeah. If you're in the middle, what you can do and what you can see. If you're mid guard, mm-hmm. then, you know, Dear Earth, great. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thor's uh, coming down. You wish you were Niflheim. <laughs> but, like, if you try and search for something while you're the rear guard, then you take a penalty to trying to move because you're looking instead of keeping up and then you're going to have a will penalty because if you're not keeping up then you're not helping there's so many calculations but the main idea of being like this game is instead of just being like a role-playing game of you're a survivor let's talk to other people and try and survive it's straight up just all right you get to base and you've you hear a mission briefing of like there's a hospital. Yeah. The DM is going to tell you, all right, this is a this type of mission. It's going to take X amount of time. You can tell me your marching order. Tell me how you are moving to get there, mm-hmm. which will give me the sound that you make and the increment of capital T time that I make encounter percentages. Yes, because the encounter percentage system in this game is real. You're never going to run into a planned encounter in this game. It's It's... I mean, uh, there's a couple of different parameters for how you know if you won the game or not. There are things like build your base to a rank 60 base or kill the one, the biggest zombie in the town. Well, yeah, you could be in like, oh, you're in the early stages of outbreak and you managed to find a cure or a vaccine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, man, the the mechanics of the game feel very mechanistic in terms of play functionality. You're like you you there are missions you can't undertake because your base doesn't have enough food or something like that like you're not allowed to try to do this mission oh no it honestly going through i was like yo this shit is just darkest dungeon in a zombie apocalypse yeah. where it's like all right put your guys in the order they're marching they're gonna walk around and then things will happen and maybe you'll get panicked but maybe when you search a thing you'll find something good or maybe it'll be spooky well one of the things there was something in the encounter percentage thing i, I liked is that the encounter percentages were 100 percent chance of an encounter like every time you roll those dice it's not like uh, i rolled under a 75 nothing happened I you mean, guys march is. another hour that's well yeah but it's considered a beneficial thing to the players if nothing happens yes instead it's if you roll under the encounter percentage a bad thing happens for the players if you roll over the encounter percentage a good thing happens for the players maybe you meet friendly traders or survivors who you can direct back to your base or nothing and or no- that's or nothing great or you find a store that's not looted yet that kind of thing uh so it's you know you're not rolling for empty rolls but then again 
The problem is, most what do you encounter most of the time? Some zombies. And even the game routinely acknowledges that just encountering two or three zombies is not a very interesting encounter. It's like, hey, if you encounter, you know, if your your group is trained killers, they're just going to go over there, pop the heads off those zombies, and keep going. And you if might they're not, not even, yeah, they might just go. Oh, these are just shambling zombies. We keep moving and don't care. Yeah, we avoid them. We do whatever we do that avoids them. Yeah, we just walk on. Yeah, who cares? I that was amusing to me. It's like a minor side note in the section where it's like these are the immutable laws of zombies. The first one was zombies must be terrestrial or in origin from Earth. Yeah, you can't have aliens as zombies. I was like, why not? That's a pretty classic zombie thing. <laughs> Plenty of zombie stuff has alien origins. Well. The zombies are from Earth. It's not like, ah, yes, a Martian comes down and those are what zombies are. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that happens often, but if the zombies came down and they were zombie Martians, would you really be like, that's bullshit. I call bullshit. You can't have undead from other planets. I call 50s movie. I was (laughs) an undead Martian. Yeah, I was an incredibly mixed up zombie from another planet or whatever. It's perfectly fine. I just found that an unusual immutable rule. Yeah. It was, and for for it to also be rule one, hmm. there was also you can't possibly under any circumstances have a cure for zombies, but you, a, a vaccine is potentially allowed. Yes, was another one of the immutable rules, and I was like, ah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of things have also hinged on finding the cure for zombies. Well, you can't cure a zombie in that when you are a zombie, you're already dead. The cure is not walking around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's fair. I just remember watching, I think iZombie eventually had a situation where it was like, we can give you an injection that makes you not a zombie. You're just a person again. Yeah. So there are certain elements of the genre where like, you can go back and forth between being a zombie. But I mean, the book basically says it's horror. If you, if you do any of the immutable laws, you'll probably need to change some things in this book because this is based on the assumption that these are the way things are. Yes. Uh, Granted, I would still point out that there's nothing in this rule, this rule book that makes it so that if your zombie has like, looks like fucking John Jones, that it would break the game. (laughs) He just comes down and he's like, brains. Also, I psychically sense the brains. People be like, I, that's not fair, but there's life sense. The zombies can have that. Let's get into zombie construction real quick. Yeah, not as in-depth as, say, the all-flesh-must-be-eaten, no. which was very granular in how you made zombies. Yes, that was probably the most interesting thing about that game. In this game, mostly just the list of zombies yeah, going got, up by power. You have your standard zombie, and, you know, they're yeah. just sort of shuffling and shitty. Mm-hmm. And you can increase various stats for them so they could have a better perception, yeah. or they could be stronger, whatever. Yeah, and they range from, you know, practically blind, nearly dead, useless zombie that only mills around in massive groups, and that's why they're dangerous, to, like, that's a zombie elephant. Yeah. And, and a zombie elephant is, of course, dangerous because an elephant is incredibly dangerous, and now it can't feel pain and wants to eat you. Yeah. And, you know, they've got the the stats that you can change, like, you know, here are the various tiers of their strength or their speed or perception or whatever. Uh and they have a giant list of, like, archetypes of them. Right. But that said, they're not, like, interesting. There's little mentions here and there of how you can build, like, Left for Dead-style zombies or whatever, uh, or ones who can who are intelligent or maybe can use weapons. But the basic zombies in this book pretty much just go from dumb and slow to big and dumb and slow. Well, yeah, because you've got... Instead of having things like, oh, this one is a leaper, or this one can spit acid, instead it's... All right, so this is a drowned zombie. Yeah, this is a yeah. zombie without limbs. 
This is a zombie that got frozen. Yeah, and mostly what that what that gives you is a list of extra strengths and weaknesses that a zombie who drowned would be as compared to a regular zombie. Like a zombie who drowned, they mention, uh, has their lungs full of water, so all they can do is vaguely gurgle. They don't they can't use any kind of peristaltic action to get the water out of their lungs, so they are quieter than regular moany stupid zombies. Mm-hmm. That's their full mechanic. Uh, and frozen zombies have like extra stiffness in the joints or something. But oh yeah, that's uh, that, but that's all. And they also manage to have ones that are, I mean, that are in here as like archetypes, but that are just like the regular zombie. But they're they've got something. So like the Chamberlain is basically just a zombie with a, a zombie. Key, ja- that's right, it's a zombie janitor. He's got a key <laughs> ring. They're like the Chamberlain, and I was like, "Ooh, so like a sexy zombie? Let's hear about it." That's a sexy ass word. What does it mean? That's the one that has a key on him. I'm like, "Oh, fuck you! This oh, is a hundred percent a video game." That's the one that glows on your mini map. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, when you use eagle vision, that one shows up as golden instead of red. There is familiar face in case you have to fight someone you knew. Yeah. And urchin in case you're fighting a kid zombie, which has its own like will check that you have to pass in order to fight it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they do have a couple like weird ones. They have like a ghoul, which is faster yeah. and a vampire, which is literally just a vampire. Yeah. There's a whole section in the beginning where it's like, look, the zombie tradition outdates the vampire tradition. And we're in this context, we're using the medical vampire tradition of a zombie who is still slightly more intelligent and feasts upon the blood. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I don't know why you feel like you need to establish the superiority of of uh, older uh, of weird old folklore about how zombies used to or vampires used to be zombies. No, I mean that was all flesh must be eaten's yeah. thing. Uh, so was it okay? I got that backwards. All right. Yeah. Anyway, I guess I guess it's all was blurred together to me because neither of these was especially compelling. I don't know. There were a couple compelling ideas in both of these, but. Both of them ended up being like, man, well, too much. Like, I, I thought that we would find a zombie game I've heard friends talk about once or twice that I don't remember the name of, where the biggest gimmick to it was that, like, if you chop up a bunch of zombies in a room, they will just flesh meld back together into a big, weird amalgamation zombie. Yeah, that does not sound like anything I've heard of, and might just be one of the many, many supplements for All Flesh Must it Be could, It could easily be that. It could just be that I remember the movie Hell Driver a little too well. Maybe. Because that was pretty much the plot of Hell Driver <laughs> towards the end. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, then there's a whole section on in, under the Game Masters section, which is like an amazing 40 or 50 pages, but about the only thing in it that's relevant really is the zombie infection percentage table. Yeah, because everyone also, one of your stats is your bite resist. Yes. And it's the percent chance you have of when a zombie bites you of not getting infected. And the percent chance is always like low, like sub 20% low. Uh-huh. And it happens in various parts of the body. You have a, a, a chart for, like, if you get bit, bit on the foot versus if you get bit on the hand. And you have protection that applies to each one of those sections. This game has stats for six different kinds of helmet. But um, there's also, when you get bit, viral infection levels. Yeah, you have load. So you, you can be like, oh, I failed my bite resist, but I only have a viral level of one, which means that I haven't even begun to look like I'm turning yet. Yeah. But because this is a game where they say, you know, there is no cure, that you're like, oh, this will progress. You will eventually be a zombie. Yeah. It's just every time you, like, capital T time, 
you have to roll to see, oh, does this progress to the next level? And the higher it is, the more likely it is it progresses. Right. One of my favorite things in this game was them making a hard point that there are 20 time units in an hour, in a day, and then pointing out that time units last anywhere between 45 and, and, and 90 minutes. <laughs> And I was like, that had better be 84, or else you didn't do your math right. (laughs) Nah, sometimes you're like, ah, this time unit was 90 minutes, and this one was only 30. (laughs) So so anyway, yeah, I just thought that was kind of a funny little point. Uh, Anyway, that's about all we have time for. This book has so much. But the thing is, of the things that we haven't really gotten into, it's all stuff like gloves. What do gloves do? Gloves provide a 15% bite resistance bonus to your hand area. Also, the real value of gloves is you can operate heavy tools with them longer as long as you're wearing the gloves. And increase your strength by 10 for the purposes of checking to see whether or not you get blisters from wielding heavy weapons if you are wearing gloves. Yeah, I mean, everything in this has a, like encumbrance value for how big it is Mm -hmm. uh it has a degradation value it's got all the like what does this help you with do you get like difficulty reduced or you can get a plus to something like if you use a crowbar you get plus 25 strength to try and open something with it Mm -hmm. like they all every item in the game no matter, like, even just, what is this? Dried rations. Oh, you better believe there's a whole entry on that yeah, shit. Yeah, there's like a page and a half on that and how they reconstitute. And they have a degradation the, of six. Yeah, they have a degradation. Every single item in the game, including things like heel packs and, uh, like, bits of wood, will eventually fail and falter under your hands. So they'll, they'll fall apart in your grasp because of the ravages of time. But they also have a resource value because in the zombie apocalypse, money doesn't matter. And... Because this is just a video game, when you go out, you don't, like, pick up a crowbar. You're like, oh, I found a crowbar. Mm -hmm. When you come back to base, you just say, we found, you know, 10 resource worth of items. Yeah. And then you use 10 resource to buy whatever thing that is available at the place you raided. Yep. (laughs) So you're like, we went to a hospital and got 10 resource worth of stuff. Well, it's four resource if I want medicine, so... Now we got six left. I always wonder about games like this. Like, the people who wrote this knew that board games and computer games existed. Yeah. Like, they knew. they When they were writing all these rules, it would be way better handled by, like, a computer. <laughs> yeah, someone else <laughs> doing the calculation. <laughs> and they're still like, ah, we should probably just keep it like this, because some, some folks might want to play Analog Dead of Winter. Yeah, like, that, Dead of Winter that takes way longer. <laughs> yeah, I, and plays yourself for some reason. That's a real power fantasy. I, 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 yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I understand the plays yourself thing in a zombie situation because yeah. they're like, we want part of the horror to be like, okay, how would you respond to whatever? But how I would respond is, I, you know, I'd probably just die. Yeah, that's my own thing. Whenever people ask me how I'd do in the zombie apocalypse, I'm like, well, it wouldn't be apocalypse if like 98 percent of people didn't immediately die in it. So I'm gonna go ahead and say, chances are, chances I'm moaning, are. I'm moaning brains and shambling around. Yeah. If I'm not, I'll tell you the one thing about me that's that's probably my power of the zombie apocalypse. I would be perfectly content killing everyone I know again. <laughs> Every single person. If they come at me and they're like, like brains, I'll be like, ah, I knew you in life, but that's just going to make this more interesting when I pop your head loose. I get to uh, see what's in there. I get this. I've always wanted to do this to you, and now it's socially cool. All right, <laughs> Jeff, I got to pop your head open real quick. <laughs> totally get it. Do what you must. Brains. <laughs> do what thou wilt. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's always been my thing. I'm like, uh, if if I find out my parents are zombies, I'll drive on over and, and cut their heads off. I'm, it's fine. Because I'm very good at establishing that dead people are dead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's my one strength is in a zombie apocalypse is a a detached sense of disinterest in the in the lives of others. <laughs> my, my strength is being able to very quietly sit in one place and not attract attention to myself. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably just starve to death instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. obviously. <laughs> no, I would die when I went out to go get food and then immediately got caught and eaten. Oh, shoot, Little Caesars is closed? Well, I'm just going to lie down right here on the pavement. Well, all right. <laughs> I'll let the zombies make use of me. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm just gonna go lie down in the path of some zombies. Braids, you're like, yeah, no, I get it. I get. You, <laughs> hey, yo, you guys see that little Caesars is closed? Yeah, I, do it. Do what uh, you got. Obviously, you're after braids. What that's else the, are you gonna have? Well, huh? Am I right? That's why you're zombies, huh? Little Caesars, same as me. <laughs> you can't even get slices and sticks anymore. Come on now. <laughs> I'm hot and ready to die. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's definitely going on my autobiography. <laughs> That's going to be your epitaph. Uh, <laughs> All right, so let's get into our favorites and least favorites. All right. What was your favorite thing about Outbreak Undead? Uh, my favorite thing in here is... <laughs> uh, I definitely like the zombie kill percentage. It's the best idea they have. Kind of what I was thinking, yeah. I mean, when reading through, all flesh must be eaten and being like, yeah, you can shoot a dude straight in the head from point blank, and maybe you only do nine points of damage and it doesn't kill him. I'm like, uh, no, like, zombies should just be, you you shot it in the head or you didn't. Dead or dangerous. Like I said earlier, yeah. zombies are either on the ground dead or they're dangerous. Yeah. And, and that's I, fine. I like the idea of being like, yeah, sure, I run up to a zombie I've got a, you know, 45% chance to kill it. I do or I don't. That's it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy that rule. Okay, that makes perfect sense. I think I I honestly think you're probably right that that is the best thing in this, the best idea being like, look, zombies are either dead or they're not, so there's no reason to do a bunch of hit point and physical dam de uh, damage to them. Yeah, tactically you could shoot the arms and legs off a zombie and it's just going to kind of moan at you, but but you know, that that's the kind of thing you could do by just describing that as the way that the zombie died with the zombie kill percentage. Well, I mean, you it has rules for, like, do you cut off the legs of a zombie or yeah, whatever? I know. It has way too many rules. Yes. But the zombie kill percentage in and of itself is a smart idea. Yeah. I'm going to similarly say that a smart idea in this game was the skills just being lists of situational bonuses. It's kind of irritating because you have to write all of them down as opposed to just having one catch-all. I would kind of prefer it if it was like... I mean, you don't, because... The skills aren't, like, you don't roll BMX as a skill. No, you just write down that because you have BMX as a thing, you get a your plus drive 10. Bicycle. To, yeah, your drive bicycle rolls, when you, which is like a perception roll, gets plus 10 when you're doing this and plus 20 when you're doing this. It's a little uh, a little unwieldy, but I like the idea because it kind of narrows and, and specifies what skills are. I would honestly have preferred it if it said if it was BMX, plus 10 to anything related to bikes. That would have been a lot simpler. But still, it's fine what they did do. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I mean, I'll also say the the gamification, the game boardifying of the game isn't terrible to me. I did like the idea of the, you get, you know, 15 points, and then when you get back to base, you can just decide what it is. So you don't sit there going like, oh, well, I want to go through and specifically find whatever. You're like, no, 
you make rolls for finding stuff, you find stuff, you come back, and then you figure it out. Yeah. I also, I didn't mind the base building mechanics and the kind of subsystem that was like, how many points do you have in each of the ten ca- or eight categories of base building between defense and food and culture and uh, and uh, hygiene that and uh, medical facilities, that kind of stuff. I thought that was clever. I did feel like it would be better served being in a different variety of game. Yeah. But I didn't hate it or anything. Eh. It mostly just served to be like... Your base unlocks subtypes of missions that you can go on based on how much you've managed to rank up your base. And I was like, ah, it feels weird in a role-playing game. Like, what's stopping you from raiding hospitals if you're like, well, we want to raid a hospital. You don't have enough medical percentage in your base to do that. I'm like, no, I can go to a hospital and grab armfuls of shit. It doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means maybe I'm not very good at it. Well, it means you're going to come back and be like, hey, guys, I got a whole bunch of random shit. Is this useful? I got a big garbage bag full of bedpans, guys. <laughs> It's me. I was the guy who came back and was like, hey, I brought a whole bunch of medical files. Fuck HIPAA. Am I right? <laughs> Depends on how you spell it. <laughs> if you spell it correctly, then no, because all it does is describe whether or not various protected or uh, legal types of body can share your medical information between themselves. And if you spell it wrong, it's how you not don't, don't have to get the vaccine because of magic. <laughs> that's uh, that's the difference. OK, so anyway, uh, least favorite thing about this game. Uh, worst thing in this game is obviously for me, the, uh, percentage skill, well, because they failed at the math. Yeah. Everything is awful. You're never, unless you manage to be like, you know, a military person and get free tiers of stuff that lets you be like, sure. Yeah. I've got a plus 25 to shoot a guy and I've got like the the fact that the military one is like your base ranged attack is 25 yeah. when like 12 would be fairly high for an average person. Mm-hmm. Just wow. Being trying to be yourself in this game is very much an exercise in, Oh yeah, you would just die in a zombie apocalypse yeah. immediately. Even if you're a military man, even if you're like a veteran military person, because when you build yourself, you don't follow those archetype rules. Oh, yeah. You'll end up being a way worse shot than you actually are. I forgot to mention one of the biggest things in this game. When you make yourself as a character, you do not just assign stats to yourself honestly. You take a straight up quiz. Oh, right. There's like an online quiz you can take. Yeah, you go to spew AI. And you take a quiz and it's all things like, what, how strong do you think you are? And you're like, um, you know, about as average strong as people. I'm not as strong. Mm -hmm. And it's got a whole bunch of different things in that. And, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you go to our bonus content, you'll see me as a character that sucks. Yeah, I did the same thing. I wasn't actually that interested in the results because they came out like, just slightly below average. Below but the 120 yeah. points you would have had yeah, to spend. I had like 118 points or something. And I was trying to be very honest on it. Now, even then, I was still like, I actually have very good eyesight. I'm a, you know, I have a couple things I'm good at. I can list them here and here. Maybe that should make my will score a little higher. And it was just like, nah, not really. And honestly, the questions from the jump, like from the minute I started taking the questions, I was like, oh, I've taken this exact questionnaire before. It's the morality questionnaire you take when you want to work at like a fucking Target or something. Oh, yeah. And you have like 50 questions in a row. They're like, would you steal from a Target? If you saw a coworker take something from a jewelry counter... What would you do? I would immediately tell my supervisor. I would confront them myself. I would attempt to sell 12 red cards that day. <laughs> ah, that's some that's some uh, indication that you can tell that I actually did work at a Target very briefly. Uh, I was I was the front I, I managed the front lanes. 
I didn't actually have to man a register. I just got hired directly on to telling the register people what to do, which is, of course, as in all targets, pretend to be a credit card company. Yes. Try so hard to pretend to be a credit card company so that every single person who comes through, you have to be like, you want to fuck a credit card? And when they go, no, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to get written up in three days because I didn't move enough credit cards. Yep. It's a bullshit system. They should drop that shit immediately. Hey, did you know that uh, corporate life sucks ass? Yeah. I got fired from that job for accidentally clocking out for lunch at exactly five hours from the start of my shift. Nice. The first time I did it, it was two weeks into the job. I got fired that day. They're like, you know what this means, right? This breaks everything about our system. If you clock out at five hours, that's a federal violation. And I looked it up. The federal violation is if you work five hours in a row, you get two lunch breaks that day. Yeah. That's the only thing. They were they owed me a lunch, and so they fired me immediately instead. Yeah, because they're like, we're not going to give you a lunch, so you can get out. Extra lunch. A process which... That's an extra half hour. We don't have you on the floor. A process which, by the way, as the worker, you can situationally wave if you would like to. And they're like, nah, it doesn't matter. The moment you do it, you're fired. Uh... Target. I I have yet to have gone back. I'm like, fuck Target. Hey, man. Yeah? What's your least favorite thing about this game? Fucking Target. No, okay. My least favorite thing about this game is definitely the points where it goes into granular subsystems when there is absolutely no need to, when common sense would have done the job just fine. Yeah. You know, uh, two examples that we've already gone over several times would be the encumbrance unit system. Like, you know how much you can carry. You know how much an average person can carry. You don't need to math that stuff out to this level of granularity. You don't need to tell me that a cell phone has one light encumbrance unit. I know it does. Or I know it actually doesn't. I don't feel like because my cell phone's in my pocket, I can carry less sacks of grain. Oh, yeah. No, the fact that it's like, duct tape has one encumbrance unit. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. I could put fucking 30 rolls of duct tape in a backpack and run around with that. But as a person, I could only carry five. Yeah. It's weird. Why would they do that? They needed to create the... Either don't do this shit, just don't do it, just use common sense instead, or be like, look, a bunch of shit doesn't have any encumbrance units. Obviously, if you have like a pair of gloves or a... a, a, Oh, well, now I'm carrying infinite duct tape. Are you happy now? Yes, that's because common sense would have fixed that. (laughs) And uh, the other obvious example is time units. Which, why did you do that? Why did you divide time days into 20 instead of just 24, which we all already understand? Love it. So, that's, every time I see that, it's always my least favorite thing. Because we've seen that, like the Batman game, the Mayfair Batman, was where everything used a 1 to 10 scale, like pressure, time of day, weight of objects, yes. all used a 1 to 10 scale. It's like, why? That doesn't make things simpler. That makes things insanely complicated. Yep. That's my least favorite thing. Would you play Outbreak Undead? I I wouldn't. As much as I love the idea of games where you're like, yeah, you know, play yourself. And the whole spew AI thing of like, take a questionnaire and it'll tell you what your stats are. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. But when you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, this is awful. I would play this game and then accomplish nothing and die. Great. It's a great zombie apocalypse simulator. You would die and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't play this. It's boring. It takes 460 pages to get to being boring. It's just it's just boring. There's, I mean, like I said earlier, there's no story in here. There's a brief flash towards the back where they're just like, hey, uh, here's the way that governments will categorize zombie apocalypses. It's by the four horsemen of the apocalypse for some reason, and we'll include the quotes. 
from a weird version of the Bible, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember any version of the Bible that says that war carries around a huge sword. Yeah, it's a huge sword. It's a huge, it uses the word huge. I was yeah, like, it's it huge. Would, I would have thought he'd carry like a great sword or a mighty sword or something, but they were still like, no, he's got a huge sword. He's got a fucking huge sword, bro. Dude, you see that sword? Huge. He's where it's a red horse and it's completely fucking cherry. <laughs> Uh, one's on a white horse, one's on a pale horse. What's the difference? One's green. Technically, the pale horse is green, but everyone always drops that because when you describe death comes on a pale horse, if you point out that the horses, they say pale instead of, or pale green because saying that death rides on a mint colored horse yeah. is kind of a <laughs> kind of a letdown. And death showed up on a pretty much foam green horse. <laughs> death showed up riding astride a horse that looked like an Easter egg that had been dipped in green for 26 seconds. <laughs> and death showed up riding a horse that looked like it came out of a kitchen from the 70s. <laughs> death showed up riding a pastel peep. <laughs> That's why, yeah, technically it, the, the Bible describes the horse as pale green, but everyone drops the green because it would be silly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get if you were like, no, it's a ghostly green, like a glow to it. Ooh, it looks like He-Man's original scare glow. But instead, pale green just calls to mind, like, the the thing is fucking sage colored. He's just sort of... Just like, oh, yeah, that's real All impressive. Right. Okay, that's nice. Does it have a paisley pattern on it, too? Because that would really complete the ensemble. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, anyway, like we mentioned, if you want to go to patreon.com slash system mastery, we made us. What are our stats in this game? You'll have to subscribe to find out. Yeah. At the yeah. $1 level. So cheap. Yeah, so cheap. I, I haven't even finished making my character yet. I'm gonna, it's going to take like two minutes. The only thing I didn't do was the skills. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert, you don't qualify for any of them. Stop it. Yay. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Uh, so I'll just take one that has five ranks and call, my, call it a day. Nope. <laughs> you certainly won't. Boo. Anyway, uh, I am I am pleased to report that, yes, you may go to patreon.com slash systemastery, where for the low, low price of a single American dollar or various other units, I don't know. It seems like you can pledge all kinds you know, of like stuff. Like 1.6 Australian dollars yeah. or some shit, I don't know. It, we, well, there's a lot of people who pledge in, in pounds and euros and Australian dollars, and, and, and it's always some variable amount that I'm not... But anyway, you can pledge to support us and get our cool bonus content, and there are other levels you can pledge at as well to get yet more exciting bonus content like the stuff for the Star Wars shows or the TV Mastery, uh, which is about to change seasons. I'm excited to find out what we're doing next, mm-hmm. and because uh, I don't know right now. No idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm keeping it a secret from everyone. Playing it close to the chest mm. and close to the vest, which is also close to the chest. Yes. Unless you have a weird chest. Unless you took your vest off. Yeah, or you have like a <laughs> chest vest gantry that keeps your vest a, a reasonable distance different distance from your chest nope i'm invested <laughs> i'm divested so i keep it way i keep my de- my vest at arm's length okay so uh yeah please join us and support us for more of whatever that was and <laughs> more vest humor coming up the hottest vest jokes <laughs> and not just that simpson song <laughs> and uh we'll see you at that if you want to come join us so thank you so much for coming and listening along and we'll see you real soon, maybe even next week. Maybe. A, I don't know. Have a good one. I've lost that ween and feeling. Dancing at the ween. Dancing at the ween. In a and all you do is Podcast. Ween. <laughs> <laughs>